So prayerfully, everyone was able to follow Catherine's encouragement to worship God through giving, for us to give to God our general offering, but also to be specific, this is our fifth Sunday where we take a benevolence offering. And I pray that there will be many offerings of $69 or more that goes into the account towards ministry through African leadership to minister Madagascar. Praise God that um, for those of us who are not called to go or can't go, we can go through our love, through our prayers, through the gifts that we give. But again, someone may be called to go. I've gone to Africa multiple times with Larry, and uh, he is a great leader, a great host. And so you will be blessed in so many ways because it's more blessed to give than to receive. But we also keep in mind that we're not taking the gospel to Africa. The gospel is there. Uh, matter of fact, the gospel came from Africa to America. But we're taking love. We're taking support. And uh, one of the things we need is Larry is able to speak very boldly to the media and even to the white evangelical community. I need to speak to the black community and say, black folks, we need to be present on the mission field. I know so much of our attention goes into quote-unquote urban ministry, but we need to be global believers because that's what Jesus calls us to be. And we need to go back home and we need to minister and be seen amongst our people. It's a great thing to see our white brothers and sisters go. But it's something completely different when black brothers and sisters go to Africa. So I pray that the Spirit of God will bring some conviction upon those of you who feel a nudge, have felt a nudge for a while. We're very fortunate to have, as a missionary in this church, one of the greatest missionaries in this country. Uh, and that is Brother Larry and his lovely wife Mary, who... They will make sure, again, it's a great time for you. So if the spirit moves, please talk to this man, whoever you are, um, and say, you know what? I want to do more. I want to consider going. What does it take? And he'll be glad to walk with you through it. Amen. And Amari will have an announcement for us um, to close out the service. We have a local outreach this Sunday. Um, excuse me, this Wednesday. Um, Bless Fest. We will be in the Edge Hill community, a uh, lower income community, also a community with many elderly people. And we will be there with food and our clothes, trailer, and uh, some of the celebrities from our church who I won't name will be out there with the people um, just loving on folks, along with the police department and another local church um, that we're working with. And so uh, it's going to be a great time to take it to the streets in the words of the Doobie Brothers. And again, be present and just love on people. God hadn't called us to fix anybody, but he has called us to love everybody. And we can do that through simple ways that are very profound to the people who are being loved. So praise God that he is allowing us to experience, explain, and expand his diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to preach with the help of the Lord a message that I probably wouldn't be able to preach in a lot of churches around here. Um, a lot of churches wouldn't allow me to preach this. If I did preach it, 
I might not make it to the parking lot. And that's the irony of it because I'm going to preach about gun reform today. Yeah, I couldn't preach this in a lot of churches. And I'm preaching from the Bible. Couldn't preach it. But, but, but I can preach it in this church because I'm really preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to disciples who desire to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And uh, you're following his word as best you can to apply it to the circumstances in which we find ourselves today in 2022. So we know what occurred on Tuesday. I'll get into some of those things in this message. Uh, but pray with me because there are people who are not just listening and watching in our sanctuary. but There are people who are watching around the country and who need a word from Jesus. And so the authority today is not in the preacher. The authority today is always in the word of God. Um, the word will not return void. So let us pray that the word will go forth and not only heal, but open up minds, transform minds, and break the yoke of bondage, traditionalism, nationalism, legalism, that the word of God will set us free. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who speaks. Might we be a people who listen. And the proof that we have listened to you is that we have done what you have said. Oh Lord, there's great fear today to obey you. There's great fear today to live like a Christian to live like someone with conviction. There's great fear today. There are so many consequences that can happen socially in this country if one really lives for Jesus. But Lord, around the world, our brothers and sisters know that if they truly live for you, it might mean being beheaded. It might mean being ostracized and not having food trucks come into your village when you claim and name the name of Jesus. So Lord, may we not be soft in America. But Lord, may we, with a global perspective, understand that you're at work just as much there as you are here. Our needs are different, but we still need Jesus. So Lord, open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on our souls that we can't contain. May our cups run over today with the wisdom of God, the joy of God, the hope of God, the knowledge of God the work and the activity that God would have us to do. Fill us up, oh God. And again, Lord, may we not be afraid to make a stand, to speak up, to stand up, to show up, because that is what our Savior has done and does do for us. And we pray this in his mighty, mighty name. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, and then we'll go over to Luke 22 and maybe to John 18, as I speak today on the subject of toxic freedom, toxic freedom. On March 10th, 1967, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King gave a speech entitled, the three evils of society. A little over one year before he died or was assassinated, he preached the three evils of society. And in this sermon, 
He called out racism as one evil, materialism as another evil, and militarism as the third evil. Because at this time, with America being in the Vietnam War, and pretty much each one of these evils was being manifested, America found herself being obsessed, if you break it on down, with power, which is what racism really is about. It's about power. Also, indulgence, which gets into the materialism, and violence, which covers militarism. So America was obsessed with power, indulgence, and violence. Well, 55 years later, America is still obsessed with power, indulgence, and violence. Compared to other countries, there is an overabundance of violence and bloodshed in America. And when it comes to school shootings, since 2009, Hungary has had only one school shooting. Canada, only two since 2009. Afghanistan, three. Nigeria, four. India has had five school shootings since 2009. South Africa has had six. Mexico has had eight. And the United States of America has had 288 school shootings since 2009. And much of it is blamed, according to senators like Ted Cruz, on video games, movies, and even mental illness. Mental illness is real. But mental illness should not be played as a card in a deck to just overcharacterize every ill thing that occurs in society. But isn't it strange how, quote unquote, mental illness hardly massacres anyone in other countries? It just seems to happen here. Well, in the span of 11 days, Gun violence has occurred in 10 different United States cities, and I'm sure there are more, but this is my research. In a span of 11 days, gun violence has occurred in 10 different U.S. cities. On Friday, May 13th, in Milwaukee, 21 people were wounded by gunfire. On Friday, May 13th, in Dallas, Texas, two people were killed and three people wounded by gunfire. On Saturday, May 14th, in Buffalo, New York, 10 people were killed, three people wounded by gunfire. On Saturday, May 14th, in Chicago, Illinois, one person was killed and three wounded by gunfire. Sunday, May 15th, in Laguna Woods, California, one person killed, five people wounded by gunfire. Sunday, May 15th, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, seven people wounded by gunfire. Sunday, May 15th, in Amarillo, Texas, one person killed, four people wounded by gunfire. Sunday, May 15th, in Houston, Texas, two people killed, three people wounded by gunfire. On Wednesday, May 18th, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, one person killed and one person wounded by gunfire. And on Tuesday, May 24th, in Evalde, Texas, 19 children killed, two adults killed, and 17 people wounded by gunfire. These shootings occurred at a sporting event, a park, a grocery store, a church, 
a flea market, a graduation, a home, and an elementary school. Something is wrong. Something has been wrong for a long time. Ever since Columbine, something is broken in our nation. This is why we need leaders. As Brother Larry said, many times problems can feel and seem so insurmountable, so overwhelming. And yes, they are to a degree, but it's not too hard for God. God is able, but is his church willing? Everything God wants to do in society, he wants to do through his hands and his feet called the church, the body of Christ. Yes, overwhelming to us, but not overwhelming to him. So we need leaders in this hour who have compassion, who have conviction and who have courage. We need more Steve Kerr's in Washington. I, I know he coaches basketball. I know he's with the Golden State Warriors, but at least he had the courage, the conviction, and the compassion to use his pulpit called the media and basketball interviews to talk about what was going on in Texas, just down the road as he was playing the Dallas Mavericks, just what was going on down the road on that Tuesday concerning the shooting at the elementary school. And we laud him and applaud him as we should. But for the most part, Congress was silent. What a travesty. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. We need these kinds of leaders who are not trying to pad their own nests, feather their own nests, and put money in their pockets because they can be bought off by anybody and everybody. But they really are there serving for the people. We need leaders today. We need so-called Christian leaders in Congress because many of them claim to be Christian. Many of them go to Bible studies. Many of them claim to love the Lord. They may talk more about being conservative than being a Christ follower, but many of them are so-called Christian leaders. We need them to be more committed to the second commandment of Christ than to the second amendment to the Constitution. Uh, yeah. We need them to be more committed to the second commandment of Christ than to the Second Amendment of the Constitution. The Second Amendment states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That is the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. But the Second Commandment that Jesus gives. Jesus said in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus said, the founding father said, but Jesus said. I have to say that because there are some people who lift the Constitution up above Scripture or who put it on the same plane of Scripture. They make the Constitution what is called sacrosanct meaning that they're ascribing sacred 
uh, uh, beliefs to it that it can't be altered or changed. Sacrosanct. But amendment means that something had to change or be amended. And for some of these folks that are pastoring churches around here, it makes me wonder. Because my ancestors got free from an amendment. The 13th. But if we were in those situations today, I wonder if some people would be afraid to change what is in the Constitution or add to the Constitution in order to see me and my people free. But it took courage then to make an amendment. And somebody needs to have courage now to make an amendment on the amendment. But the second commandment, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which falls in line with do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Love is what Christians are to be known for. Loving your neighbor. Love. Not by how we vote. Not by how we align politically in this country. But how we love God. And it shows up in how we love our neighbor. Especially when they are different from who we are. America claims to be a Christian nation until it's time for America to act like a Christian nation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless America. But will America bless God? Let's learn the difference today between, and I love being an American, but my citizenship is in heaven. And you will not hear me preach American exceptionalism, nationalism, or elitism from this pulpit. America is one of many nations that the Lord loves. He doesn't love America more than he loves Madagascar and Ethiopia. So let's learn the difference between true freedom and toxic freedom. Genesis chapter 2, Adam has been created. His wife is on the way in a couple of verses. But before she comes, God establishes the man in verse 15. The, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here we go. God comes to Adam, placed him in the garden, gave him a job to tend the garden, take care of the garden. And God says to him, let me tell you something, my brother, you are free. So the first thing God says to Adam is, you are free. God is the great 
liberator. God is the great emancipator, and he wants his people to be free. And God says, you are free to eat. So God says, man, man, all these trees that are out here, you are free to enjoy. These things were created by me in order to bless you. You are free. You are free. But then God gives a restraint. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So you're free to have all of these trees, but this one. You are free. So what do we see here? We see that true freedom has boundaries. You are free, but don't eat from this tree. That's a boundary. True freedom is going to have boundaries because if you don't have boundaries, excess will kill you. True freedom has boundaries and consequences. I'm just reading what the book says because God says the day you eat from this tree, you will surely die. That means dying physically, dying spiritually, and even dying eternally. So you disobey me. You break this command. There will be consequences. I know some of us only want to hear about what we're free to do. And we don't want to hear about what we should not do and even the consequences that should come. But this is what true freedom is. Toxic freedom has no boundaries. And toxic freedom has little consequence. But let me say it again. True freedom has boundaries. Okay, y'all don't believe me. When you drove here this morning, you were free to drive. But there were some boundaries that said stay on the right side of the road and don't cross that yellow strip. Because if you cross that yellow strip talking about I'm free. You won't be alive long. And not only will you die, but somebody else is going to suffer because you just want to be free. So there's a boundary there to protect you and to protect other people. It's not rocket science. True freedom leads to life and order. Toxic freedom leads to death and confusion. When you're a toxic senator, you can't even answer a simple question about gun reform. You stutter and, and deflect and change the conversation, the topic, because you're toxic. You care more about guns and protecting guns than protecting society and protecting the most vulnerable, protecting our children. There are many demons on these folks, if not in them. Toxic freedom is doing whatever you want to do, but true freedom is doing what you ought to do. What you ought to do. What God commands you to do. That's being free. Freedom to bear arms without a willingness to bear responsibility is toxic freedom. I'm going to say it again. Freedom to bear arms without a willingness to bear responsibility is toxic freedom. So when you talk about God, guns, and country, what you're really saying is that your God is the gun. 
and your country is also another idol. Or the God you worship is a God of guns. Huh, okay, all right. But see, if I was at another church, they'd be cutting my mic. Uh, uh, toxic freedom, it wants liberty without limitations. Toxic freedom wants independence without impediment. Toxic freedom wants clearance without constraint. It wants liberation without liability. It wants autonomy without accountability. Toxic freedom wants rights without restrictions. Toxic freedom wants conquest without consequence. Toxic freedom wants license without a license. License without a license. This governor has passed a bill here that you don't even need a permit to carry a gun. You don't need a permit to get a gun. License without a license. But yet I got to have a license to drive my car. I got to have insurance when I drive my car. But to get a gun, use a gun, own a gun, I don't need any of that training or I don't need the accountability. I don't need permits and licenses. I just need the money because it's all about the money. The love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. First Timothy, NRA. Like most Americans, man, I want to live in a country that loves its children more than it loves its guns. I don't always want to have a response being, well, we're sending thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Now, I believe in prayer. But I also believe in action. We need policy change. Yet, yet pray, but also change some policy. Protestant theologian and Croatian, Brother Miroslav Volf said, there is something deeply hypocritical about praying for a problem you are unwilling to resolve. This is why people don't believe in God. Because they see the Christians talking stuff, but not walking it out. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, but you aren't doing anything. And the world sees this, and they're like, y'all don't really care. But wait a minute, you care about something. You just don't care about people. Again, you care about the dollar. You care about power. You don't care about helping the vulnerable. Activist and poet Amanda Gorman said, it takes a monster to kill children. But to watch monsters kill children over and over again and do nothing isn't just insanity, it's inhumanity. At least Beto O'Rourke had the courage to confront Texas Governor Abbott that y'all aren't doing anything about this. Aren't you livid about this? And they showed more energy and passion to get him out of that press conference than to do anything for why the press conference was called in the first place. Getting up there talking about, you know, it could have been worse. What kind of answer is that? And now we're finding out that the police, the good guys with the guns, 
the good guys who had body armor given to the police department did not go into that situation until now we're seeing an hour later. We don't know what to believe because police, they lie. They lie. But the truth is coming out. My God, help us, Jesus. The NRA has done a great job of buying off politicians and discipling Christians. Oh, they've discipled Christians. Because again, they're so into the second amendment as opposed to the second commandment. Well, as I close, what did Jesus say to his disciples about weapons? What did he say? I need to make this clear because many gun owners have a hearing problem. When we say we need gun reform, they hear we need to take your guns. That's not what we're saying. Nobody's coming to take your guns. And several years ago, you used that fear tactic to not vote for Barack Obama because you said, Obama's coming for your guns. Obama's not coming for your guns. You still got your guns. Why one person needs 20, 40 guns, I don't know. Why one family is going to take a Christmas card holding assault rifles, I don't know. But nobody's coming to take your guns. We're just trying to regulate guns. Reform the law that makes it too easy for a minor, an 18-year-old to get a gun who can't buy beer or cigarettes, who can't rent a car, but that person can get a gun. Something wrong, something broke. That's toxic freedom. You say, changing the law won't work. Well, I beg to differ. Because the reason why he didn't get a gun at age 17 was because the law said he couldn't get it at 17. So maybe it just needs to change a little bit. Or a lot. Man, why can't we do it? I know they've sold their souls. But what did Jesus have to say? We'll go to Luke 22. What did Jesus have to say? Luke 22, beginning at verse 35. And he said to them, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. So now this is the upper room discourse. He's heading to Calvary. He's ministered for nearly three and a half years. He has sent the disciples out before, two by two. And when he sent them out before, he sent them out saying, don't, don't even take anything on your journey. God is going to provide for you through the people. The source is God. The resources are with the people. So go out by faith, preach the gospel of the kingdom, and the people will take care of you. If they don't hear your message, shake the dust off and go to the next house, the next town. So they went out by faith and they came back and reported to the Lord. Lord, everything you said was true. Matter of fact, we saw Satan fall like lightning. That's what Jesus said. Because your kingdom was coming and the gates of hell were being unlocked and captives were being set free and Satan was being dethroned. They went out. But Jesus said, now, 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 it's a little different now. It's a little different. He said, now, now, remember when I sent y'all out, did you lack anything? No. 
verse 36. Then he said to them, but now. It's changing a little bit. The environment, the temperament of the people is changing a little bit. Because as they turn against me, they're going to turn against my followers. When I sent y'all out before, man, people were glad to have y'all come. You're casting out devils and all this kind of stuff, man. You're preaching good news. So, so you, but now, it's a little bit different. And Jesus is going to say in one of the other gospels that this is the hour of Satan right now. But now, he said, he who has a money bag, let him take it. Make sure you have money on you. Remember when you were growing up, some of you can't go back this far, but your parents always gave you a quarter to make a phone call just in case? <laughs> so, so, so he's saying, look, look, make sure you got your knapsack, your wallet, your purse with you. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Wait a minute. Is that Jesus? The one who said, you know, turn the other cheek and blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. It's the whole counsel of God here. So we want to make sure that we interpret the scriptures soundly. But Jesus says to his disciples, he said, now, get rid of your cloak, sell it, and get a sword if you don't have one. What's going on here? The cloak was so important in those days because it could be hot in the day and cold at night. So the cloak was used as a covering to keep your body warm when you were traveling. It was like a blanket almost. And, and so it was, you know, Linus always had his blanket. If you were a disciple, you had your cloak, man. Because you would stop, you know, at a village and your cloak would be your covering. It was heavy and, and, and it was very valuable, very important. And Jesus said, as important as that is, I need you to sell that and get a sword. Why? Cloak, it's important. You can get another one of those. Your life is more important. You can't get another one of those. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is encouraging his guys to buy a sword to use for self-defense. When they walk among people who are going to be hostile to the gospel. Well, this is why we need wisdom. This is why we need wisdom. Because God who created us in his image, the Imago Dei, is very precious to him. And when you become a Christian, the spirit lives inside of you, making your body a temple. And you're not to abuse your body. And so God is saying, protect your body. Not to an extreme where we worship the body, but we protect the body. Self-defense is what Jesus was calling for here. For protection, listen to this, and not aggression. Protection, not aggression. And some will follow that and others won't. The ones who do don't need to look down on the ones who don't. And the ones who don't grab a sword shouldn't look down on the ones who do. There's freedom in the kingdom of God. But he's encouraging here self-defense because it's going to change out here, y'all. Verse 37, for I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. I'm, I'm going to be crucified with thieves, for the things concerning me have an end. Verse 38, so they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Twelve dudes 
two swords. I know some interpreters come in and say, well, those swords were used for hunting. All right. Or, you know, that, that wasn't a sword. That was more of a knife used for scaling fish because they were fishermen. All right. We're going to read about this sword in a minute because Peter going to use it. And he wasn't hunting buffalo and he wasn't scaling bass. He going to use this thing. But dig it, two of them had swords, which means Jesus was not trying to lead a militia. Jesus was not trying to overthrow the government. Because he told Pilate, he said, now look, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would fight for it. So these swords were there for self-defense. Okay, you don't believe me? Go to verse 47. Verse 47. You got to see this now. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Verse 49, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? So they're wondering, is this what we need the sword for? Is this self-defense? No, this is prophecy. Now notice here, the two of them who had the sword, we know one of them was Peter. <laughs> we don't know who the other cat was. Maybe Philip, Bartholomew, don't know. Should we strike now? Now they asked the Lord a question about how to use their sword. But the verse, verse 50 says, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So they asked the question, but didn't wait for the answer. Lord, should we strike? Who? But that's how a lot of folks are with their guns. If they ask a question of the Lord, they're not listening for an answer from the Lord. They act and want God to clean it up on the back end. Or they want God to co-sign their nonsense. Verse 51, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Uh, let's go a little closer. Let's go a little closer. Uh, let's go to John 18. John 18. Let, let, let's get John's perspective because John is the one who lets us know it was Peter. I told you there was competition amongst these guys. Matthew don't say nothing. Mark don't say who it was. Luke don't say who it was. But here comes John. It was Peter. I'm going to tell on his brother. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So watch this. Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. Jesus does not say, throw your sword away. He says, put your sword away. Did, did you get that? I didn't make that up. It's in the book. He didn't say, why do you have that? He just told him two swords are enough for us. Each one of y'all don't need one. But two of y'all, man, we cool. He doesn't say, get rid of it. He says, put it away. In other words, Jesus was upset 
with the irresponsible way that, that Peter used his weapon. He did not condemn the fact that he had a weapon. He was condemning the fact that he used it irresponsibly. So as we translate to our world of guns, and when that amendment was written, they had those uh, musket guns. You could probably shoot, let's see here, two rounds in two hours. <laughs> Low. <laughs> so weapons of mass destruction, AR-15s were not on the floor. Weapons that can kill a mass of people in a short amount of time. That wasn't what, when the Second Amendment was written. So we need to amend the Second Amendment to bring it up to today. Because there ain't no redcoats coming to get us. Oh, he's a liberal, I tell you. Well, I'd rather be a liberal and be with Jesus than be a conservative and go to hell. Pastor, yeah, I said it. Because, again, when you put these guns up, the gun, especially the assault rifle, is the American idol. And they lift it up. As they sing, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I'll know I'm free. No, it's toxic freedom. And if you notice, Dr. King did not live long. After he spoke out against things the government was doing. Yeah, we'll give you some civil rights. Okay, we'll finally give them to y'all. But why are you talking against the war? You know that's a money-making machine. Why are you talking against the war? Our boys over there? Yeah, our boys shouldn't be over there. He didn't die. He died not long after that. Let me keep on moving. Gun owners who resist reform who are Christians, are in many of our churches. But today we learn that there's a difference between true freedom and toxic freedom. True freedom offers liberty and consequence and constraint and order and boundaries. But toxic freedom, it just wants freedom and no accountability. That's toxic. We are better than this, or at least I thought we were. And then Jesus lets us know that he's not against weapons. He's against the irresponsible use of weapons. He's for self-defense, but he's not for aggression with these weapons. And that's notwithstanding of those who are in military and law enforcement. There's a special calling on them. Romans 13 backs that up as they bear the sword or the gun. They must use the gun responsibly. And if they use the gun irresponsibly, they must be held accountable and they cannot hide behind the badge because too many of us are dying. Well, we had a celebration at my house yesterday. My daughter, Karis, graduating from high school and so many friends and family came by out of town and so good. But it was stressful leading up to uh, yesterday. Because our microwave broke down on Wednesday. And you know you got to have your microwave because you got to heat little things up and stuff. You know, you want to be a good host. So the microwave, you know, it, it was broken. We would hit the buttons one minute and the minutes would tick down, but 
there was no microwaving going on in the microwave. It was broken and it needed to be fixed. We didn't just pray about fixing the microwave. Anybody want to go with me? Uh, we, we just didn't say, Lord, would you? We send our thoughts and prayers to them biscuits and the chicken nuggets and all things that got to be warmed up, Lord. We, we just pray, Father. No, no, we got on the phone and we called somebody say, hey, man, we, we need you to get over here fix this microwave. Well, the people we normally call said, we can't come until next week. So we didn't say, you know, well, let's just keep praying. About the, you know. No, my wife said, I'm going to call somebody else. And she got on the phone and called somebody else who said, yeah, I can come at such and such a day at such and such a time. And they showed up to fix the broken microwave. And he came in and he told us what was going on and how much that thing was going to cost me. I said, man, to fix a little thing inside going to cost me $100, man. <laughs> but I wanted it fixed and I needed it fixed so I was willing to pay the cost because all them folk were coming and I need that microwave. Because the point is when something is broken, you get it fixed. When my tooth started messing up and the crown fell off, I didn't just pray about, Lord, I, I, my tooth is hurting. Uh, uh, no, he said, go to the dentist. When the sensors in my car with the tires are going off and something ain't right, I just don't keep riding. I go get it fixed. When my stove is broken and it's lighting up but it's not warming up, I don't leave it broken. I go get it fixed. The gun laws in this country are broken. We got to go get them fixed. What's so hard about that? They're broken. Fix them. But apparently, it takes courage, compassion, and conviction. Father, I pray not only for the families that are grieving today in Buffalo, in Texas, in Wisconsin, in North Carolina, all over the country, even in Murfreesboro. God, be near the brokenhearted. We know that you are not the author of evil, but you allow evil and through it, you will get the glory somehow, some way. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your wisdom is unsearchable. But as the old preacher would say, Lord, you're too wise to ever do wrong. You're too good to ever be bad. So we trust you right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, comfort those around the country who are grieving Loss, not only loss, but loss that has occurred violently. Help our brothers and sisters today, whether they know you or not, they're your people. Help them today to heal and to grow from this, these tragedies. And I pray, Lord God, for the leaders in our country. Lord, one party is already mounting. They're getting ready. They want to take the White House back. 
And they'll do whatever they can as they attend NRA rallies and keep taking money and saying that it's not the gun or rather uh, guns aren't the problem. It's people with guns that are the problem. Lord, I pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, if you could save Paul out of Judaism, if you could save, as Larry talked about, this brother out of Islam and bring him to the love of Jesus, if you could save me from out of religion and church, and bring me to Jesus. Lord, you can save these folk. Give them a Damascus road. The lawmakers. Give them a time where their eyes are open. And they say enough is enough. And let them go against the political tide. And make a stand for what is right. To stop being followers. For Marsha Blackburn and the other senator in our state. Who have been sitting on a gun reform bill now. For almost two years. Lord, I pray you bring conviction to her heart. I pray that her pastor down the road, Bill Lee's pastor, this is a discipleship moment that they would pull them aside and have the courage to disciple them through and their thinking about how guns are the number one killer of children in this country than anything else. Help the church, help the body of Jesus and protect this house. Thank you, angels of the living God that stand guard at this house. Thank you for our security team. Thank you, God, for your goodness. We love you so much. We need you. So glad we have you. In Jesus' name, amen.